You're listening to World Talk Radio, where the world comes to talk. World Talk Radio. Welcome to the Sharon Kleiner Hour. The power of water and global warming is our subject each week concerning uh, your health, your mind, your eyes, your skin, your body during this with this global warming and your own self-examination of how you feel and your knowledge and education of what you want to learn to feel better every day and also pay it forward to help others learn to feel better. I hope you will join me each week internationally. This is an international radio talk show. To learn more about your health and the tips and where you can go for education and help yourself and others. Uh, this is going to be a learning show, and I hope you agree with others that have been listening. The timing is perfect. People are wanting to learn more, not the politics of global warming, but what is happening with the planet Earth for your health and issues so you can learn to feel better. And, and, and not only live longer, they feel better about your life. Your life is a precious moment, and you should embrace it, and it is very exciting to learn more. We can never know enough. We will listen to our sponsor, and we'll be right back with a very special guest, Susan Bacon, from the Family Services at Dornbecker's Hospital at Oregon Health Sciences in Portland, Oregon. We will now go to our sponsor. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. To reach a show host or guest during the live show, dial toll-free in North America, 866-613-1612. Or, if outside the USA and Canada, dial 001-858-268-3068. Welcome to the Sharon Kleiner Hour, the power of water and global warming, and learning more about your health. Today we have Susan Bacon, who is with Family Services at Dornbecker's Hospital at Oregon Health Sciences in Portland, Oregon. Are you with us, Susie? Yes, I am, and thank you so much, Sharon, for having me on your show. I very well, much appreciate you. it. Well, thank you. This was exciting that you, I, that I found that you could do this. I know how busy you are. Susie, tell us a little bit before we, uh, for our audience, and this is an international audience, Susie, mm-hmm. uh, about uh, Doran Becker's and uh, the subject. What is going on at Doran Becker Hospital for Children? You have been with Family Services how long there? Well, I've been at Dornbecker Children's Hospital for 24 years. I'm a nurse. 24 years? <laughs> yes, I love That's a long time, Susan. <clears throat> it oh. is. I absolutely love the place. <clears throat> well, I, yes, and the children, and I must tell our listeners, I have been a guest at Dornbecker's, yes, and it is uh, absolutely, I can see, Susie, why you've been there for 24 <laughs> years. Well, there is there is something, as you're suggesting, about uh, issues with global warming and, and water and taking care of ourselves. Children appeal to all of us because they need grown-ups. They need adults to help them become the most that they can be. And so I think that 
that is a basic for everybody who works at Dornbecker is that we really want to help kids and their families. And children have a lot of, uh, kind of they bounce back well. They're often quite healthy. <laughs> Generally speaking, they have things where they haven't done it to themselves. <laughs> right. But uh, yeah. Dornbecker has been around since 1926 as an organization. And we're in growing as we as we move along. Uh, we are just now building, finishing um, an expansion project. So we went from 16 to 21 oncology, hematology, oncology, bone marrow transplant beds, and from 16 to 20 ICU, inter- intensive care unit beds. We'll be opening in the fall an intermediate care unit. So if you came... Let's say you didn't really need all the monitoring of an ICU, but maybe you're on a ventilator at home or something like that where you needed just a bit more monitoring than you would get on a regular um, medical surgery. And we need to remind our listeners we're talking about children. We're talking about kids. Um, So that we have Mm -hmm. a, a variety of inpatient places where kids can stay. And I think it's important for everyone to know that parents are considered partners in care. We don't have them leave uh, the bedside. They're welcome to stay there 24-7. They're welcome to be a part of rounds with the physicians, rounds where the doctors talk about the team, the plan for the day, and we want parents to join in that conversation. We may know more about When the family comes there, let's say there's a child wherever Mm -hmm. uh, that something has happened and they've been suggested that they could go to Dornbecker Children's Hospital for whatever. Uh-huh. And we'll talk about some of the things you're specializing in. Uh, and the family wants to come along. Um, the care that the child is getting and the family, now, does this come on their the children's health insurance? Can the family write that off on the health insurance? Does the family have to pay the, out of their own pocket their own care, their own stay there? Well, we usually work it out with the family. There's no cost to the family to stay with their child. I mean, okay. generally speaking, there will be some, you know, meal costs for them, but um, mm-hmm. but no, they they stay because it's it's where you want parents to be. Well, and I would guess, um, and you correct me, uh, that if the family is with the child, the child will heal faster and be able Absolutely. to go home sooner. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's sure. got to be a miracle because <laughs> all children want to be close to their family. Yes. Years ago, say 25, 30 years ago, in healthcare, it was considered that, that children, quote, unquote, did better <laughs> because they were quieter and better behaved when their parents weren't there. But if mm-hmm. you think about a two- or a three-year-old or an 18-month-old, you want that child to to protest mightily <laughs> about, yeah, yeah. you know, they don't want, what's the blood pressure being taken and what's that squeezy thing and don't you touch exactly. me? That's normal. And I would say uh, for all from all of the ages, because I've been a guest <laughs> there and I've seen where those children that are much older than 5 and 6 and 10, they've wanted their family close because Absolutely. there's something about the family relationship that gives them that a feeling it's that safety. they will get well and they are going to go home. It absolutely. It is safety. It's safety and it's that this is these are the people who love you. These are the people who protect you. These are the people mm-hmm. where where you are you. Um, and another thing, Susie, uh, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but and I will do that every once in a while so the listeners um, 
I will be asking questions a lot of listeners can't ask or won't be able to call in because we only have certain amount of calls that can come in, but uh, numbers. But also the other uh, factor that I think uh, a young person that is had in, in the hospital needing this particular uh, specialty care, uh, they will, uh, the parents, when they leave the hospital, will understand the care they were giving, given and follow that right at home. They'll be trained almost. Uh, with what to do at home if they're there with the with the patient. That that is a a, a perfect statement. The the goal that uh, we want is that parents should go home feeling more capable as a parent exactly. because of because of what they received. We use parents to help tell us um, to make suggestions about improvement. We did a project not too long ago where children who have like a little feeding tube um, called a gastrostomy put in if they can't eat enough food on their own and they need some a little a place to put it into the stomach directly. Families were saying that they didn't feel as really as ready or as capable as they wanted to. And so based on comments from families and then also working with the nurses and clinic staff, we put together a uh, a kit that's actually got a baby doll in it where that has a, a hole where you can put all the different little tubes and you can practice oh. with the connectors. So you can actually have a kinesthetic experience hands on before you actually do it to your do it with your own child and that is important listeners we you know we all have moments that are unexpected with our health issues and let's mm-hmm. call them health challenges and Susie what happens with all of us all of us on this earth that when there's a health challenge we you cannot do it alone mm-hmm. i don't care how old you are you no it really infant, you could be uh 40 years old you could be a hundred years old. Uh, just because an infant and a hundred year old cannot be as capable, they're everybody when you have a health challenge needs help. And, uh, this is exciting that you're t- uh, teaching people, uh, how to leave and take care of themselves at home, uh, and the family will learn. And I'm sure that way back in time, they probably theorized that, um, a family would be interruptive. Yes. Now they found, I correct me if I'm wrong, the family, if they're willing to learn, can save a child's life, a person's life, as well as the hospital once they get home and they get the care at home they should have. Yes, and it's, it is a testament to the, to the, the, both the, the power of parents and the power of their caring and love for their kids. There are many things that we do with either short surgeries and children go home or that are done in clinics and kids go home. Um, hematology, oncology, or children who have cancer is a great example. We see the majority of kids in Oregon and southwest Washington with, in our area with cancer, although they certainly come from sometimes other countries, um, other, other states. Um, and the parents are the ones who, who really need to know that the, the symptoms that they're looking for, the, the exact blood counts, they track them as much as we do to know what the white count is and what the red count is so that if their child gets a fever, they can go, okay, we have to go in and, and get that checked because they know the white count's too low to be able to combat a likely infection. So um, what's happening here in the last probably two decades, let's say, that the hospitals, and especially Dornbecker's Children's Hospital, is encouraging a parent with someone who has obstacles of health 
challenges that 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 the child knows that the child will be learning about the parent is learning how to take care of that child uh, not only in the hospital but monitor in case something the nurse hadn't come in yet or the technician or something was not in the communication the parent won't quickly notice Absolutely. that uh, oh they haven't come yet I wonder what's happened and then all of a sudden maybe somebody did forget on the chart one of the rooms and so people in the uh, parents and families in the hospital should also be taking a responsibility to assist. There's a, a national uh, initiative um, across many organizations dealing with patient care quality and safety, pediatrics and adults, that really encourages uh, people to have um, others with them, whether you know it's parents for kids or a spouse with with their loved one. Um, to help watch, to just help know what's going on so that if somebody does inadvertently forget a medication or... It, um, it's human. It's human. That, and, that and everyone is together making it great care yeah. and safe. Right. And that way uh, the, the individual that's trying to uh, become healthier, heal, and and uh, they're trying so hard as a patient to work to get better, mm-hmm. and that takes a lot of mental hard work. It's all it, mental. It does. And uh, so if the family or a friend has been designated to assist all through this uh, obstacle of challenge to get well, and then they can leave uh, the hospital, that there's been a person that's been designated, chosen by the patient and with the hospital to leave and also continue that care very closely so the person will get well and uh, let's say almost personal discipline. Mm-hmm. Uh, the child, even as young as they can be, can learn habits. Absolutely. Because there's a person monitoring closely. The hospital, uh, listeners, I think the hospitals have to, you have to realize, the doctor, the technicians, the nurses, and the hospitals should not be 100% responsible. You should take responsibility to, to assist. Very, a, a prof- be a professional during that very uh, important, serious moment uh, with the patient because the patient wants to get well. I don't care how old they are. That's right. Uh, but the US, uh, you, we should all take a responsibility to assist, to help the hospital, help the doctor, help the nurses, help the technicians. Be polite at all times and assist. Even if you have to carry your own little notebook, be be attentive to what they're all doing, and and always ask questions. Is there anything I can do to help, uh, Susie? Am I off base here? No, Correct you're me. you're absolutely you're absolutely right on. The it is it is critical because when we are really healthcare systems are kind of the blip in people's lives. People don't live in hospitals. They don't live no. in healthcare systems. So we really want the the patient. That, that either child or adult and the family to be the the, the care managers, and and we're there. Yeah, there we go, care oh. manager. Right, and and parents and take some protect- responsibility to that. Right, not just turn it all over to the hospital that has so many patients, and there and it's the patients that have the health manager that can get well quicker. Mm-hmm. And if you look at diseases that are on the on the kind of the increase and certainly increased in diagnosis, like asthma, uh, childhood asthma. And, you know, there are a lot of different thoughts about why, and one may be pollutants in the air, different things that we're exposed to that wasn't around years ago. Um, But it's one of the fastest-growing 
populations. And if you're young, um, you need to learn to, to recognize, you know, when does my chest feel tight? When do I need my inhaler? Did it happen because I went through a field? What do I need to be able to do? What do I need to be able to avoid? And you can do that even as young as, as a preschooler, <laughs> so yeah, that it's I, not just your parents. Well, that's because you've had good uh, family management to teach you those habits. Uh, Susie, we have a caller. Dylan, are you with us? Good morning, Sharon. Good morning, Dylan. Good morning. I do have a question of Susie Bacon with Dorndecker Children's Hospital. Good morning, Susie. First of all, I'd just like to say congratulations on over 24 years. I'm sure those have been very valuable to yourself as well as thousands and thousands yeah. of families. Uh, my question this morning is regarding the expansion that you spoke of. I was wondering how that came about um, and also where the funding comes from. Oh, sure. Well, the expansion came about because we've, we've had to actually not be able to place all of the people who wanted to come here. And you look at where are the areas where, where we get full fastest. So that came about just on the basis of, of volume data. In terms of the, the funding, um, it was through uh, OHSU and the Dornbecker Foundation, so fundraising um, out in the community. And what I may, I'm not as aware of how much funding we had, say, that may have come through um, bonds, those kinds of things where, where bonds are put up for sale. I know that when we built our building originally in 1998 and opened it, there were Dornbecker bonds that, you know, sold out within a, <laughs> within a short period of time. Oh, I'm sure they did. But generally, um, that the majority comes from uh, fundraising through the Dornbecker Foundation. Um, we don't use, we do not have public monies attached to this, so there's nothing that comes from a taxpayer. Well, wonderful. That sounds uh, yeah, like, and, and it's, the hospital, uh, Dylan, was originated in 1926. Um, now, um, Susie, when it originated, was it located there and on the hill in Portland, Oregon, or was it located somewhere else? I, my, my, uh, I should have boned up on my history. That's uh, okay. I didn't I'm mean not, to ask you no, a no, question. No, no, I'm not entirely, I'm not entirely sure. I think we had an original building in like in Northwest Portland, but I may be mixing that up with, with our Oregon uh, mm -hmm. Academy of Pediatrics first. I, the reason I ask that, listeners, um, is and Susie, Dylan, um, is when you go to Portland, Oregon, and you're coming along on the freeway or almost anywhere in the Portland area, you can look up on a hill, <laughs> and here's this magnificent crown of health, if you know that's the Shriners Children's Hospital, the, Dor uh, the Oregon Health Sciences Research, KCI Institute Research, the Dornbecker Children's Hospital, up there on this magnificent piece of real estate that is the most beautiful spectacle to remind you of take care of your health to the world. Uh, Susie, it is absolutely gorgeous up there. It um, is. Every time I go there, I feel like I'm, it's just a crown jewel. Uh, and all the hard work uh, that has come about through and the lives saved and the lives that have been tried to save and the people who have sacrificed with research and more. Um, Dylan, do you have any other questions? 
I don't. Thank you, Sharon. I would just well, like thank to you say, for your call, and you have a nice day, Dylan. Thanks, Sharon. I, I would just like to say also that I believe that children ask so little, and they yeah. give so much back to the world. And I just any organization that's out there participating in their healing, their well-being, is just a wonderful part of this earth, and uh, we oh, appreciate wow. that. That brings tears to my eyes. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Yes, you're right, Dylan. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, isn't that true. wonderful? Yeah, that's a special thing. It really is. Well, one that of the things that's, that's big for children, of course, is that their work is play. And we really want to support their work of play so mm-hmm. that here we have um, playrooms that kids can go to where nothing, nothing clinical is ever done in these places. In other words, if somebody needs to give you a medication, you leave the playroom, get your medication, go back in. Mm-hmm. Um, we do, and it's very popular. We have bingo every Wednesday, and that's on a closed-circuit TV for kids who can't get to the playroom so they can play bingo and win prizes. Um, but we, we have art activities that occur. Kids do beading, painting, things that are fun to do in our courtyard. You were in our, our quieter courtyard, which is a nice place. And then we have a play courtyard um, where kids can go out and run around in, like, little cars, do chalk art, bubbles, um, play uh, with smaller basketball sets. We realized that if we got them too big, we might break windows. <laughs> um, because they need to be able to be outside. We have an outdoor. Now, I don't know, if, Susie, if you remember, but uh, for the listeners to understand, all my as long as I can remember, I've wanted people to sing and have music around them to feel better. Yeah. I don't, it's just something that came from my family, my childhood. When I was up there and you were introducing me to a lot of the children, at one time, I turned to the children and asked them if who would sing, and they got very, they became very shy. And we did have this one little girl who really wanted to try to do it. And, uh-huh. and, and I've been this way as long. I do it all over the world with the adults, with the kids. If I have a moment and it would work, I'm. And then uh, Susie, what they say, everybody says, "Well, when are you going to sing?" And I said, "No, no, no." I want you to see. <laughs> but now, well, I, we're going to take a moment for our sponsor, and if you'll hold, wait with us for a moment, and we're going to come back, and I want you to tell us a little bit about, more about the Dornbecker specialty and research and what you've been doing. Let's yes. take a moment for our sponsor, and we'll be right back. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. To reach a show host or guest during the live show, dial toll-free in North America, 866-613-1612. Or, if outside the USA and Canada, dial 001-858-268-3068. I'll be 
want to welcome you back to the Sharon Kleiner Hour, The Power of Water and Global Warming and Your Health and Taking Responsibility for Your Health Every Day. Learn more. Our show is here to educate you about yourself and your loved ones and, and, and relate to information that you're learning by listening to this show uh, each week. I need to remind our listeners also, it, it come, uh, the show comes on live every Monday, 10 to 11, once the show is over, our uh, sponsors, World Talk Radio, Voice America, then reproduce it and put it on the Internet full time. So it's always there. You can go in and listen at any other time. If you want to turn it on, r- walk around your home or your office, which a lot of, I've been told, doctors' offices are listening to it, um, and do what you wish, but kind of turn it on in the background like talk radio shows are. Uh, Susan, um, did you know that 6,000 children die every day because of unsafe water and poor sanitation? You know, I didn't know that. I'm not entirely uh, It surprised. is happening all over the world, yeah. and uh, it is a very, very serious issue. Um, moving into uh, my world, where I'm coming from and my concerns and why I wanted to do this show and take it so serious for uh, the rest of my life, is learning to live here and recognize our own evaluations and symptoms uh, before they get too late. Yes. And, of course, we all have a lot to learn about that. And some of us who are very uh, in, into the medical field and, like yourself, sometimes we'll forget because we're around so many people who do have challenges with their health and issues, we almost forget to recognize our own. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are some of the specialties and research that you believe that Doran Beckers has mm-hmm. been doing in the past few years? Well, we, um, as, a, as an academic medical center, of course, we have the education mission, so we have a dental school, a nursing school, a medical school. And a host oh, of- I apologize, listeners. I forgot to mention the dental school. <laughs> Thank you. And, and actually, it's a. Uh, for instance, there aren't very there aren't very many. Uh, there we're the only training program for pediatric dentistry in the state. Um, so, and that's a field where, uh, mm-hmm. particularly with kids who may have special needs, where there mm-hmm. are huge uh, huge needs out there. If you think about teeth health. <laughs> That's a that's a big deal. Um, kids are often uh, need to, you know, brush floss to do the preventative kinds of things that that Sharon that you're interested in, and what can we do individually? As far as research goes, we really are. Before we move on, Susan, I'm going to yeah. interrupt you real quickly on the dental. I am so grateful you brought this up. Uh, our listeners need to understand. Um, that your dental uh, education with your child, your, the gums and the teeth and the tongue and the oral, the oral education is vital to their health ongoing for the rest of their lives. It's something that is so forgotten, like the, sin, the skin is forgotten. Mm-hmm. Uh, eyes are forgotten uh, on health of the eyes and what are they doing to take care of their eyes and, and what are you doing to take care of your skin and what you're doing with your oral health. Um, and um, there's parents there that should be just as in tune to the oral health and the eye health as you are trying to keep them clean, uh, hygiene, and uh, be watching that skin for any signs of childhood melanoma. But mm-hmm. we'll go on. Um, uh, tell us a little bit more. I'm sorry to interrupt you, Susan, about the uh, research that's going on. There are a variety of, of research pieces. We're doing a lot of research in um in metabolic and neurologic um, 
disorders. There's a, a study occurring uh, here. Now, that, a lot of our listeners won't understand metabolic words. Okay, yes, we're, we better explain. We do we do research into conditions that come from um, how your body <clears throat> uses its hormones and chemicals. Uh, an example that most people would know about would be diabetes. So mm-hmm. we're doing research into how parts of the pancreas works. What would what how, why what are people doing or what genetics do they have and what uh, life uh, style do they have for type 1 or type 2 that made a difference. For example, um, there are increasing numbers of children who are overweight in the United States to obese, and that's leading to more diabetes earlier. So then you look at what, what would it take at what age <laughs> to see what could have made a difference, um, for instance, in their, in their either heaviness or their, how they ate. What you know, they did I'm going through. to make a comment, and I hope Please. some listeners will call me on this or whoever, but I'm wondering, Susie, how many people from the beginning of birth include a lot of drinking good, safe water and plain water, not the sports drink water, not the juice yeah. in the water, water from the day they were born, along with the milk, along with the foods, along with their lives. I wonder how many children, how much water they're drinking every day. Well, I'm guessing that it's not nearly enough. Um, because many children early on come from lack of water. Uh, it's a, a lack of water to digest, to lubricate, to detoxify. Um, it, it, the, the body swells up. And what happens to swelling is as you swell and cannot digest, the dehydration of the body gets out of control, and you need to hydrate to keep the digestion going. And uh, I've often wondered, and what an exciting research project this has been and will on go, for, go on forever, but, and I know we could never know enough of it, but that's a wonderful research side is how much water are these babies drinking along with their life to get in a habit. Well, particularly uh, but go on. This is interesting. Now, how many people do you believe, how much, uh, do you think that, um, uh, I think I, the question I want to ask is, uh, do you see an increase in a lot of diabetes in children? Well, unless we turn, unless we turn our, our lifestyles in a slightly different direction, I think you're going to see uh, increases in um, diabetes in children, but also just all the issues that come with being overweight, where not just from a, a cultural visual perspective, and of course there still is uh, a, in our society a, uh, a uh, bias against people who are quite heavy, um, but just that you can't run and keep up. You can't, uh, you have foot, knee, hip problems early on in life if you're Uh quite heavy. Um, And you're not as flexible or as able. Um, Uh We're we're not meant to hold a lot more on our frame. So the research center is doing a lot of research on this. They're researching and also looking at... um, Motivational. If you're a child who's grown up, say, in a family with where maybe food's a big deal or foods they used as a reward for things, um, or oh, too much soda, 
too much soda pop, I think you And diet watch. soda is not a safe soda. Uh, for some reason, uh, I was talking to some different doctors on the, with the show not long ago, and they were saying that people are misunderstanding the diet side of what they're eating or they're drinking or low-carb. They don't realize that that doesn't mean it's, it's safe for you to go ahead and overindulge. Yes, I've been... I, Clearly, people drink too many things that are not, um, I'm going to say not of, of an essence, either water or a fruit juice that's actually fruit juice. Without <laughs> rather sugar than, and all that. Rather yeah. than high, high fructose corn syrup or whatever else, whatever else is in there. Um, don't drink enough simple, just simple beverages, just like oh, we don't eat bit, enough yeah. simple foods. Um, because part of the obesity lies, or that the overweight lies in the amount of um, fast food. And carbohydrates, yeah. Where they're, they're not complex carbohydrates, there's a lack of fruits and vegetables, huge amount. And parents, of you know, the one thing parents might do is watch to see how the infant is digesting their food as they eat it, because that's the time of life you can notice that. Uh, if they're digesting well, uh, the chances are they will not become overweight. Um, but if they're, if you're noticing they're not really digesting their food, it's backing up. There's something you need to ask your doctor and find what your the secret might be for you to help that individual infant digest their food well. Susie, before we leave you today, uh, could you tell us some more about what you're doing in the research at Dorn Becker that you think is very exciting for uh, the listeners? There are a variety of areas. I think one of the the most critical may lie in um, oncology or cancer. We're one of only 21 centers in the United States that do what are called phase one clinical trials. And a clinical trial means that we're starting to use uh, either a drug or a combination of drugs or a therapy with a disease to see how it works and then see if it works better than what we were using before. And the, the, what goes with that is that there, there are kinds of leukemias that when I was first in nursing, children didn't survive or maybe live two or three years. Those same kinds of, of cancers are now pretty much considered curable and long-term. Oh, is So there oh. are these... There, there now, is uh, leukemia, uh, before we go, uh, is, do you, is leukemia on the rise? Uh, are there more children getting leukemia today? I think we're, we're diagnosing, we're diagnosing, well, diagnosing better it. and sooner and more so that um, that's where we see it is that parents are noticing things. And um, But, yes, we have more now, people in the world, Now, what other kinds too? of cancer are children getting for our listeners to hear so they can the evaluating. Uh, is there another child, uh, infant or ch- pediatric cancer that's happening that uh, you should make parents aware of? I think I would say, like you said earlier, Sharon, that the most important thing that, that parents could do is be aware of the health condition of their children, to not take, to not take health and your body for granted, but recognize that it's something that you have to care for day in and day out, and you care for that with exercise, you care for that with hydration, you care for that with good food that that fills you and nurtures you, but, but is not an emotional 
issue. It can be pleasurable. <laughs> but then... well, that's the number one. It cannot be emotional because children are very much exposed to the environmental conditions, shall we say, of the mental side of their life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And everything we do to expose them to uh, stress or attitude or uh, positive or negative is vital to their health. Yes, and for the, the rest thing, of their lives. Yes, not just then. <laughs> Once it's there, it's, Once it's, it's there. much easier. Even if it requires changes on parents' parts, it's much easier for a parent to choose to role model what they'd like their kids to copy than it is for a child to try and say, well, that isn't what I want. Well, children should, yeah, uh, thank you for saying that. A child is still a growing person. You know, I look at my own grandchildren, and you look at a grandchild who's only lived in this world for five years. Mm-hmm. Then you know, I have my oldest grandchild has only lived in this year uh, world for the planet Earth for 18 years. Mm-hmm. That isn't very long. No. And, they and just, so we, we as, quote, quote, I call us tall people adults, <laughs> uh, are there to show an example, pay it forward to make a better life right. for uh, the children and ourselves. And that's why when Dylan said this, uh, and Susie, you've given your life to children, uh, that people who give their lives to children are the, are the, are the, are the kings and the queens and the crowns and, and those of faith on this earth because children is what it's all about. They grow into the world. They, yes. they need us to help them, all of us. Mm-hmm. It truly does and take a village. It, it takes everyone. You. It is a very special. Yeah. Now, Portland, Oregon listeners uh, is where Susie Bacon is at with Doran Becker Hospital at Oregon Health Sciences. And they, Oregon Health Sciences, if you ever go to Portland, Oregon, Oregon Health Sciences is on a magnificent hill, a crown jewel. It has the KCI Institute. It has the dental school. It has uh, Shriners as up there. And it has the Doran Becker Children's Hospital and the, Dor- and the Oregon Health Sciences Hospital and Research Center. Susie, I hope you will do this with us again because I know we could go on and on. <laughs> we could. But thank well, you thank so you. much, Sharon. I appreciate well, we it. Well, give everybody a hug up there and tell them I said hello. I certainly will, Sharon. And I hope you, you add music to everything they're doing up there. Yes, and bring joy where we can. <laughs> okay, thank you, Susie, very thank much. You, you have Sharon. a very special day. You too. Thank Bye-bye. you. Bye. Bye. Well, we'll take a moment, wasn't that an exciting guest, and to hear about our children and her 24-year dedication to children. Uh, We're going to take a moment for our sponsor, and we will be right back with Art Bernstein, our special guest. We'll listen to our sponsor. Thank you. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. 
To reach a show host or guest during the live show, dial toll-free in North America, 866-613-1612. Or, if outside the USA and Canada, dial 001-858-268-3068. Welcome back to the Sharon Klein Hour, The Power of Water and Global Warming. Today we have Art Bernstein, who's been a guest of ours many, many times. I really enjoy having Art on because he has taught myself a lot. Art, are you with us? I'm with you. Art, uh, before we begin today, I want our listeners to know I chose global warming as a subject, and I know that we're all understanding that it, uh, there's a political issue out there, but there's different people who have had a background, such as yourself, who also have learned a lot about the definition. Tell us before we start a little bit about your background so that when you're talking to our listeners, they'll understand your background uh, of why you have some ideas on the definition. Um, Tell us about your past. Uh, Yeah, I have a bachelor's degree from the University of Michigan in anthropology and a master's degree in forestry. Uh, And I've written 14 books, which are... Hiking trail guides, backcountry byways guides, and uh, nature guides. Mm-hmm. So you um, you feel very comfortable about uh, well for you and I to talk about global warming and, and assisting uh, some of the education and definitions. Uh, I am personally going to tell the listeners there's so much going on. Almost everything you read has something in it about global warming, and it's fascinating, but I bet people are confused. Um, For the listeners, do you have a a definition of, so they will understand the word global, the two words global warming? Uh, A definition? Yeah, what does that mean? Uh, When the globe warms, the, the average temperature goes up. Now, what, uh, but the, the big uh, me, issue is whether it's man-caused or not. That's the big now, what, issue. Okay, but when there's a, it, there's different eight, uh, stages of the Earth, right? And the Earth left one stage. Let's call it a benchmark of 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 its uh, of its um, organism. Uh, what the end of the ice age? What happened when the when we were no longer all ice? What began then, Art? Uh, yeah, the Earth warmed up. Um, I'm not an expert on the uh, the mechanics and the science of what happens when the Earth warms and school cools and the greenhouse effect and all that and the chemistry of that. Uh, I was watching a TV show on oh, was it the Natural, National Ge- Geographic Channel last night about the mini ice age. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was fascinating, but of course it ended up a propaganda piece for global warming, and then they went into this whole long thing about uh, global warming was going to cause everything to freeze up, and you know, I mean, life as we know it was going to end. And then they they just sort of admitted in passing that that was all nonsense that somebody made up. Oh my! Uh, this is why but, I, I mean, am so just, serious just about scare this show. Propaganda. It was horrible. Yeah. And well, and, and, and to be fair to those who are so serious about what you call a educational propaganda, they want people to take sides. 
And um, yeah. my reason for wanting to, every once in a while, we're going we're to do this with different people on the description of global warming is if if I, and you have enough education to correct me and and I'll be I'm very objective about this art when the we the earth goes has gone and the planet earth has gone in many stages for how many years art millions millions of years oh yeah i mean yeah. so it goes through those stages it goes for millions back so far and there's so many fluctuations uh I mean, and, and it goes through its even changes. Even before, before the dinosaurs, there, there was uh, exactly there was a big cold snap that almost you know wiped out all life on Earth, and that certainly wasn't uh, exactly. And that wasn't man-made auto emissions, or you know. Um, and uh, and and I'm going to be guessing because I am not authority, and I am never going to tell anybody I'm smart because I love learning something new every day. And Absolutely. what I've learned, I like. I know there's always more to learn. But when those Earth went through, the planet Earth went through all those stages with the solar system, and it came along to an ice age that we're very somewhat familiar with. And we still have Antarctica ice, and we still have, like you, you were teaching us about ice caves and glaciers right, and yeah. more. We've been learning a lot on this show about this. But when happened then, Art, and with you, let's just say, who is an expert? Because even the experts are arguing. Uh, let's say there was a stage that came along, and the ice began to melt, and there was really very few homo sapiens, if any at all, uh, people, and uh, it began to get warmer. Was that the beginning of a global warming? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, okay. So, because the ice began to melt. Yeah, and then there was a slight uh, reversal uh, in the 16 and 1700s. So Thank you. A, a okay, we're of, coming forward. Yeah. And, you know, and let's just say to the listeners, nobody's an expert, really. Everybody has a theory and evaluation, and because the experts are even arguing, sadly. And that's what concerned me about the political issues, uh, is it's not politics. It's happening. Yeah. And uh, when we're coming along, then the Earth began, would, would you explain, because you do have a better knowledge of that than I have, that when it says global warming, the Earth is getting warmer, is that or warmer in the, in the atmosphere or warmer at the surface? Um, Could it be both? Both, yeah. Uh, it's also uh, the warmth is, is trapped. It doesn't dissipate. Now explain the, that you'll uh, you'll lose some in listeners. The, the, war, the, war, oh, well, the, the greenhouse effect, uh, increase in carbon dioxide, causes uh, heat not to rise as high and dissipate into the atmosphere. So it just sort of bounces back down and, and stays around longer. But I so guess the carbon I dioxide is staying at the surface, different places on the Earth, longer. Carbon dioxide in, in the air, yeah. Yeah, and the carbon dioxide, if there's too much carbon dioxide, yeah. it does re, uh, relate to uh, the health of the earth and uh, the weather, obviously, too, because there, uh, there's different scientists saying it's the weather that's going on now that has this effect. Yeah, now I'm not in favor of air pollution, and I'm not in favor of uh, emitting greenhouse gases, you know. Uh, no, no. I'm not in favor of any of that. Well, we have a lot but to learn. I also remember when I was uh, 10 years old, they kept telling us that uh, the Earth is warming up then. This was in the 1950s. Uh, 
and that in 10 years New York was, or 20 years New York was going to be underwater, and New Orleans was going to be underwater, and Los Angeles was going to be underwater. And this was all supposed to happen by the 1970s, and it never happened. Mm -hmm. so, well, everybody's uh, still people learning. People just need to, to have a need to, to scare each other for, for power or, or whatever. Well, or or the fact that people really in research believe that, uh, and then somebody comes along and says, "Give you a sure evaluation," and then the person who interprets it goes out into a audience and starts making it more of a misunderstanding of a political issue. And there's where I'm coming from. Um, yeah. It's not politics. It's not taking sides. We're all living on this planet Earth together, and uh, what is happening in different countries of the world with uh, the genocide is because those countries don't have any water. Yeah. Water is more valuable than oil. Did I ever Without tell you water, my... the earth is no longer going to be here. I mean fresh water. I'm not talking about the ocean. And the more the ocean comes up and the waters decrease and the earth is getting warmer at the surface like your skin. Oh, that's uh, I true. always look at I... art like the the walking pe uh, 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 people, all life on Earth has warmth at the skin level, at the, and uh, all of a sudden you become working, living on the Earth, and the Earth is getting warmer. You're warm, you're 98 degree, and uh, if you go above 90, you're already dehydrating, like the Earth is dehydrating, losing water, losing moisture. Yeah, I've told you uh, my story. Uh, you know, I've been a, a hiker for decades. And this is what I like to do on the weekend. I hike and you know, I've done it all over the country. I've done it in the most beautiful, biggest wilderness areas in the country. In the 1970s, you could hike into any wilderness, and if you were thirsty, you would just get on your hands and knees by a creek and drink. And uh, if you do that now, you're crazy. Yeah, they're warning against, uh, and are you finding that when you're hiking in, there are no more creeks? Um, diminishing? I, I've seen some extended droughts, and I remember back in the 50s and 60s when I first moved out west, we used to have these big snowstorms, you know, a couple times a winter, and there'd be three or four feet of snow on the ground, and then now, uh, you know, we go five years without any snow whatsoever in the valleys. Mm -hmm. But we did have some really good winters uh, about 10 years ago. So. Throughout the United States and, and other parts of the world now, you've been hearing about the flooding in England today. And so around the United States, the flooding, lots of rains coming down, very, very uh, uh, tropical, I would say. Uh, and, of course, I'm not the expert, but uh, they, it's getting warmer. Have you heard, Art, and maybe you can comment on this, that the warmer the Earth becomes, the more... Uh, mosquitoes and, and insects we're going to have. And that's something that people should be aware of when they're outside at all time and spiders. Um, I've heard more about more spider bites and Lyme disease and problems and people need to p take cautions and put something on your skin always before uh, insect repellents, before you go out to go hike and go out into the woods, even maybe even to your own yards if you have a lot of trees because um, uh, the, the earth is getting warmer and there's more of a tropical um, uh, heat going on in even parts of the world that never had it. Art, do you have any closing comments that you would like the listeners to hear from your background, which is spend all your life with the outdoors, uh, this planet Earth? Is there something that you would like to share with the listeners? 
Hmm, I'd have to think about that a minute, and oh, okay. I don't think I have a minute. So. Well, uh, real quickly then, uh, I was talking, we were talking about global warming, but what I mean is, is there's something that you, that they could be educating themselves about, uh, signs of things that are interesting, and make it a, a fascination each day when you get out of bed and live on this earth of what's going on. Notice the sky, notice the air, notice where you're at, notice how you're living your life, and, and all uh, uh, that's what I'm saying, Art. Yeah. Like I you know, go out um, About your thing about the insects, uh, I always got the impression that there were more insects uh, in, like, northern Canada mm-hmm. um, than there are uh, in the tropics. But, you know, I, I, that was just the thought that popped well, up. Well, that's a fascination. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw a picture once of uh, somebody water skiing on a lake above the Arctic Circle, and there was a—it looked like her hair was blowing in the wind. But those were a swarm of gnats following her. It was what? I said it looked like her hair blowing in the wind behind her, but it was actually a huge swarm of gnats following her. I'll be uh huh. (laughs) And this is where? And where was this? Uh, Inuvik, uh, Northwest Territories. I'll be darned. Oh my, huh? That was fascinating. Well, Art, thank you for joining us today. We've learned a lot from you, and uh, we will hope to have you back one day. I appreciate you giving us your time. Thank you. You have a nice day, Art. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Well, listeners, uh, coming from where I am each week to share with you, um, water is my issue, and I believe... Uh, and we need to study this. I'm, I can't say I'm right, and I can't say all the, anybody who tries to enforce the fact that I am right. I keep saying, let's go learn more. But global warming means depletion of water also. And I am a believer that oil is not as important. Nothing is more important than we protecting our water and making it safe and making it fresh water abundant to us. Educate ourselves, drink water every day when you get out of bed. You uh, and your life on this earth go together. With earth has to have the water, you have to have the water to live, to detoxify and be healthy. Water is a vital, uh, is vital to life and a solvent. And always remember over your skin as you drink it, uh, to, in the eyes as a mister, anytime you're using a clean, pure water, that's a solvent. That's life on earth. And the air you're breathing today is getting drier. And indoor conditions are forced air, heating and cooling, insulated windows and walls, chemistry in your paints, the synthetics in your furniture. All that is pulling out of you. And then you're walking outside when there's supposed to be moisture in the air also that you can't see. And remember, I'm talking about the moisture you can't see that has to be there to lubricate you as a solvent, to be part of your life. It's not as there as the way it was. You need to start learning how you're going to bring that to your life. Take responsibility. Learn more. And that's what this show will be all about. Water is a commodity, and don't take it for granted. It has to survive our life. Let's join together and make sure that this world will have an eternity. I had a scientist recently say, I don't know if there will be an eternity, because without water, this earth will not make it. Uh, the advantage for all life on water is uh, the supply is changing very drastically. So let's think about it. Uh, your pipes in your houses, are they safe? 
uh, buy the water at the store. It's not expensive anymore. You can buy cases and bring it home. Uh, there's a lot of innocent uh, happening with bacteria and disease that are very common because of lack of water, bad water. And like I said earlier, 6,000 children are dying a day around the world with lack of water. Wars are causing because of lack of water. People are afraid. There is no water. And maybe that's the challenges we're having with war. Maybe we haven't figured out what it really is about because we, wherever, water is vital. I would like to close today with um, a thought uh, that Earth has a secret. Embrace your life, every precious moment, and everyone else's life, too. Don't take their life for granted. Earth is whispering, I know in our prayers, never say goodbye. Thank you for listening, and have a nice day.